next on BYU Sports Nation. Season opener for BYU basketball. The Cougars hoping for some Marriott Center magic tonight. You name the leading scorer. Associate head coach Tim Lacombe previews the hoop season on our preview show. And tonight's matchup with the Princeton Tigers plus ESPN basketball analytics guru Paul Saban. And it's another Maddich Monday with ESPN college football expert Trevor Maddich. What impressed him the most from BYU football on Saturday? Let's go. This is BYU Sports Nation. Brought to you by the BYU Store. Simulcast on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation live in Radio Vision, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Ball night! Monday, November 14th. Basketball is back. Wherever and however you're dialed in, great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with a man who has a no-fail two-point conversion play, Jerem Jordan. I thought it was no fail. I texted Daryl Bevel, the Seahawks coach, about it. It didn't work, but luckily Gronkowski got grunked. Yeah, how about that? The Seahawks <laughs> beat the Patriots yeah! the same week that Donald Take Trump that, wins the presidential election. <laughs> I would have had uh, maybe another result earlier last week, and the Seahawks lose. But uh, I got a Seahawks win instead. <laughs> I don't know what result I was hoping for. Predictions are fun, right? Until they you start be. to get some wrong. Yeah, they can be. Then it becomes stressful. There's a city in Oregon. It's called Canby. Yeah. Canby, Oregon? Mm-hmm. Yep. And <laughs> my wedding reception there. With our going for two football picks. About we, those. We just have not been good enough. I, I'm going to dial it down a little bit. Like BYU's <laughs> offense, second half. We are disappointed in our effort, people. But no, my s- effort is tremendous. My execution. The execution's stinks. poor? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. I try so hard. Okay. I, like Bronco said. But the sun will rise and illuminate the dews of a new morning, Jerem. And we will get better. Will it? Yes, we will. We'll get our hoop season started on the right yeah, foot. Yeah, today. First picks. But we need to be held accountable for what we yes, selected choices. for BYU football on Saturday. So let's recap our latest going for two. Can you predict the future? No. These guys think they can. We're going for two on BYU Sports Nation. I thought I had my first two for two weekend on Saturday. Mm. I, I got overconfident. I thought I was there, but BYU didn't score a touchdown in the second half, and it certainly wasn't How a pass touchdown. Happen? Number one, I said BYU will have more pass touchdowns than rush touchdowns. They've been a run-heavy team. Close. It was equal. BYU had two pass touchdowns and two touchdowns via the run. That's on Tanner Mangum. I thought that there would be one more, right? And would the touchdown catch that I thought was good for Nick Kurtz have changed that? Yeah. His elbow was down before anything was out. Like, it should have been a touchdown. They kick field goal there? Yeah, I think so. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Kicking field goals. It happens. Now for my soft prediction that I got hammered about on social media. Okay, It is soft. BYU will lead by 21 points or more at the half. And they had to work for that. It was 17 until they scored a touchdown with under two minutes to play in the first half. So really, was it that soft? Or was it good enough for me to get a point? It was soft, and you got it. Your execution has nothing to do with whether it's soft or not. You're just salty because I no, got one. Well, no, it's soft. Okay, I didn't get any. BYU will cause three-plus turnovers. <laughs> one interception from Eric Takanaka. 
Micah Hanneman has an interception in his breadbasket. He drops it. Harvey Longy has a fumble 80,000 yards downfield, and he can't dive on it. BYU's the third best team in takeaways in the country, and they had one against an FCS team. Pathetic. My other one, 100-yard rusher not named Jamal Williams. <laughs> Feed K.J. Hall, dude. Come on. <laughs> Tanner Mangum's like, nope, I'm going to keep it. He was the second-leading rusher. Tanner Mangum, second-leading <laughs> rusher? What world do we live in? What, is Donald Trump going to be the president, too? This is crazy. So I go for two. So that, you're, you're plus two. Now. So that takes your win percentage to what, Jeremy? You're seven for 20? 35%? Whatever, seven times five is 35%. percent Hey, you're a good three-point shooter, right? 35%. I'm not a good three-point shooter. I just talk a lot. <laughs> I have a rec game tonight, and I can't go to it because of the BYU men's basketball game. Are Rats. you really that upset about it? Yeah, I love competing, man. I, I, unless it's this game. <laughs> I, need to get, I need to get some. I've trailed you all but two weeks this whole football season, so I'm pretty frustrated. I'm kind of the Bo Hodge of this group where I'm like, why can I not – Bo Hodge. Bo Hodge didn't get into the game. Neither did Coy Detmer. That was pretty interesting. Now you need me to go 0 for 2 next week and you yourself to go 2 for 2. So are you going to well, go soft what? with both predictions? Guess what? We have like eight going for two picks this week. Because there's do. three basketball games and a football match. Yeah, this is a carryover. It's not just about football. Yeah. It's I, about basketball. I was thinking going for two would be like double bonus or and one or something. But two picks. That's what we're doing. Going for two through basketball season two. So I think we should have a football champ. A basketball champ and an overall champ. Just to give yourself hope? No, to give <laughs> us more context and things to do. <laughs> Here are today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. Taysom on a keeper. Inside the 10. Taysom. Touchdown, BYU! BYU football defeated Southern Utah Saturday 37-7. The Cougars put up 596 yards of total offense, 441 through the air between Taysom Hill and Tanner Mangum. Hill threw for 320 of those, a season high, and two touchdowns. K.J. Hall led the Cougars with 59 rushing yards, as Jerem just pointed out. And with the win, I wish it was 100. With the win over Southern Utah, BYU's bowl eligible. 12th consecutive season, the representatives from the San Diego Bowl Game Association extended an invite. Tom Homo, the BYU athletic director, uh, accepted. Kalani Sitake also uh, did a bowling motion uh, with his team. Uh, he said it's good to be bowl eligible and get it done early. Tickets, by the way, for the bowl game can be purchased on BYUtickets.com. The only red ever tolerated in the Lavelle Edwards Stadium, the red jacket that Ted Tolner True dat. was wearing. Men's basketball opening the season against the Princeton Tigers tonight. Dave Rose starts his 12th season as head coach. BYU will make a third appearance on ESPN's tip-off marathon. Don't miss the Cougars tonight. ESPN2, BYU Radio at 10 Eastern. Ashley Hatch with the turn. Cross to Vasconcelos. One touchdown! Michelle uh, Murphy-Vasconcelos was on the show Friday, and what did she do? She scored the game-winning goal. The karma is real. In the NCAA tournament against UNLV, fourth-ranked uh, BYU won 2-0. Elena uh, Medeiros had that second goal. So the Cougars win in the first round. Awesome. The, the pursuit of four wins and into the Final Four for the first time ever continues Thursday. The Cougars play 25th-ranked Oklahoma in South Carolina at 4 Eastern. If BYU wins that, they'll likely play South Carolina at South Carolina, the one seed, 
on Saturday. So keep an eye on that Thursday afternoon. Michelle Vasconcelos thanked us for the BYU Sports Nation <laughs> karma after the game on Friday. Not a joke. Rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. Basketball tip-off, our season preview show today. No more exhibitions. No more speculating as of 8 p.m. An actual game will happen in the Marriott Center, BYU and Princeton. A contest that might just be the Cougars' toughest in the non-conference schedule. So much for easing into the season with that young, talented roster. It's immediately game on for the Cougars with a shot at a quality NCAA tournament resume win, which takes us to our Twitter question. Who will be BYU's leading scorer tonight? Versus Princeton. Lots of candidates, right? Use the hashtag BYUSN. At BYULASFJazz. Yoli Childs, double-digit dunks. Hey, I don't go soft with my predictions. At Spencer underscore Linton. <laughs> yeah, whatever, dude. <laughs> Yoli Childs. Not, I don't see him leading the team. He'll lead the team in dunks. He won't lead the team in points tonight, though. Think about all the Maybe, people that it could knows? be. Eric Mika, Nick Emery, TJ Haas, Kyle Davis. Like Elijah Bryant, Elijah Bryant, Rose. LJ, it could be. They're like six Colby Lason, six threes off the bench. That could happen, right? There's, there's a lot of options there. It's not an outlier that Lason comes in and hits a bunch of threes. Yeah, last year in game two, <laughs> Corbin Kafusi did. I mean, it happens. Mick World, it who, can happen. Who will score the first basket? You remember two years ago, it was, it was, Luke, was Luke Worthington. I, I go, the prop bet on Luke Worthington <laughs> scoring the first bucket. He just won 238 bucks. Oh, good stuff. Send in your responses using the hashtag BYUSN. Game one of what looks like a very entertaining season. Six ESPN Top 100 high school players on this roster. Incredible stuff. And most of them... Really young, so high hopes for not much experience, which brings us to our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. BYU returns two players that averaged at least six points per game last season. That's it? Eric Mika's back, right? But you bring back a a 14-point-a-game guy and Elijah Bryant, but he wasn't on last year's team. I mean, there's lots of newcomers. TJ Haas hasn't played a, a second in college basketball. This is exciting, though. This is a young group. They're going to play a senior-laden Princeton group. But looking at the whole season, this is a, this is a young team. And we've said, uh, uh, I give BYU until February to really get up to kind of fifth gear, right? And they have three of the four games against St. Zaga, Zaga. That is St. Mary's and Gonzaga. In February. Perfect timing, right? Corbin Kafusi will be back. He will have had a full month under his belt. So that's good. Yeah, he won't just be blocking field goals. On the football <laughs> field, right, he he'll be blocking field goals on the basketball court. Yes, field goals blocked. <laughs> All over. All right, let's go. Our 2016-2017 BYU basketball season preview continues with three loaded questions. Beginning with this, Jerem, where will this BYU team finish in the West Coast Conference? I think BYU will tie for second. I think they'll compete for first, and I think it'll be close down the stretch. But ultimately, I think Gonzaga is going to... Uh, outrace this kind of young BYU team. This is, this is, you're one of three with this group. This group being the Lone Peak Three and company, right? And there's a lot of talent here with freshmen and sophomores. Some nice seniors and juniors sprinkled in there. I think that this team's going to finish in the top two, which is great. And, and if they take second, that's fine. I think it could be a three-bid league. Okay, so my blue goggle hope is BYU. We're not hopes. BYU, I know, will. I know. BYU, we all want BYU to win the West Coast Conference for the first time. I'd rather win in Vegas than the regular season, by the way. Or at anything. Win the West Coast Conference to any degree, whether it be in the tournament or the regular season. Get one any. 
My expectation is BYU will finish third in conference. Behind the experienced Gonzaga. Behind St. Zaga. I think... That's not a bad thing, though. No. I think this is a three-bid league. Okay? And I hope BYU outperforms what my expectation is. Maybe there is a regression to the mean, and they finish second tied with St. Mary's or something. I, I don't think know. it'll be close. That yeah. would be great. It's going to, be, it's going to come down to the wire, but my expectation is BYU finish third in the West Coast Conference. Now, I already kind of answered question number two. Will this team make the NCAA tournament? Yes, they will. If they don't, to me, that's a disappointment. There's too much talent on this team not to make the tourney in my opinion. Now, the key to that will not be WCC play per se. I think it will be non-conference play. You play 13 games, I think the Cougars need to go 10-3. and three. No worse than 9-4. and four. I think BYU will make the West Coast Conference a three-bid league. They get in, you know, a 10 or an 11 seed. Don't care. They can play just, in Dayton. Just get matter. in. Just get in. Get in the NCAA tournament. Get the experience. I feel like this team... Needs a year to really kind of gel and mesh together, and then next year it could be scary, scary fun. Now next year we're talking about uh, bigger expectations, and, and you can set those where you want. Mm. Question number three. What is this team's ceiling and corresponding basement this year? Basement's third in the WCC, barely out. Ceiling is like winning the league and going to the Sweet 16. Like I, I think that this team will have all the pieces – but young, to do that. And when you talk ceiling basement. So a magical season, the ceiling for you is getting to the Sweet 16 and winning one could, of the two West Coast Conference, Conference titles. I, I could see BYU in Vegas going on a run and winning it, finally. A team like this that can score the ball, whew, once you get going, you get going, right? Anything is possible! Yes! Who's going to lead the Cougars in scoring tonight? <laughs> Associate Head Coach Tim Lacombe of BYU Men's Hoops will join us to preview tonight's matchup. But first, it's Maddich Monday. With the one and only Trevor Maddish, what's the best thing he saw from BYU football on Saturday? BYU Sports Station presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Simulcast on BYU Radio, moving pictures on BYU TV. Our conversation has tipped off on Twitter. Follow at BYU Sports Nation. Use the hashtag BYUSN. It's our basketball preview show because the season starts tonight. You can watch it and listen to it tonight, 10 Eastern time. BYU in Princeton, BYU Radio coming up tonight. It is on ESPN2 as well, part of the ESPN Tip-Off Marathon. 10 Eastern, the season begins for BYU Hoops. Our Twitter question today, who will be BYU's leading scorer tonight against Princeton? While you think about that, we'll get back to basketball and all of that, but it's always a Maddich Monday during football season. ESPN college football analyst Trevor Maddich joining us on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Trevor, a 30-point win for BYU against Southern Utah. What was the thing that you liked most from BYU's performance on Saturday? Well, that they got a lot of young guys in the game, and that's important. I mean, you can learn so much about them from practice. They can only learn so much about themselves from practice, but the fact that they actually got into a game in front of a crowd and got to play without a net. In other words, if they made a mistake, that mistake stood. If they did something great, they got cheered. That's an experience that they need to have, and that's, the, that's I think, the greatest uh, takeaway from this. The, the win is nice, no disrespect to Southern Utah, but I think the, the, the young guys getting game experience with the lights on is the most important thing. 
Yeah, and BYU didn't sleep on them because they heard you last week uh, mention that. Taysom Hill had 320 passing yards, season high, two touchdowns. Tanner Mangum came in the game, was pretty efficient, but BYU unable to get a touchdown in the second half. So do you take anything away from that uh, in the second half there and from quarterback play at all? Yeah, there's two things that, that I think they'll need to really look at on the tape. Well, three, actually. Three turnovers. They'll need to figure that one out. That's, that's not a good thing. But the second half, the fact that they didn't score a touchdown, I think is concerning. Even though they had a lot of young guys in there, uh, those young guys should have done better, I thought, against Southern Utah. Keep this in mind. They only rushed for 3.9 yards per carry, and if it weren't for Tanner Mangum's accidental scramble for 35 yards, that would have been even lower. <laughs> And they weren't able to punch it in in the second half. And so even, even I think some of the younger guys really need to watch that tape and learn from it because they, they should have been better in the second half. They should have run the ball with more authority, even though they were down to some of their young, their young backs. And I think those young backs did a really good job, especially in catching the ball. I think that's important because the running backs being able to catch is a huge part of this offense. El Bakri and Hall combined for seven catches, almost 140 yards between them. And so that, that's good for the future because that, that'll be a weapon that, that BYU will be able to use. So that's another positive coming out of this game is the catching of the young uh, running backs. Trevor Maddich of ESPN with us on BYU Sports Nation as part of Maddich Monday. Let's talk about the quarterback play from BYU, starting with Taysom Hill. What did you think of Taysom Hill's performance on Saturday? Taysom hit some amazing throws. I mean, that, that touchdown pass to Kurtz on the, in the right seam, there was a defender right behind Kurtz. Then the end line was right you know, in front of him. That ball had to drop in perfectly. I don't care if you're playing Southern Utah or, or, or the Cleveland Browns. You know, that ball had to drop in because of the nature of the geography. And it did. I mean, that was a fantastic throw by Taysom. And I, I really liked it that he really had, had an outstanding game making some pretty complex throws. Before this season, uh, the goal for some people was just to get to a bowl game. So BYU gets a sixth win. They get the invite to the uh, Poinsettia Bowl. What did it mean for you to get BYU uh, another bowl invite, their 12th consecutive bowl? That's impressive. I, I, I don't know what the, what the national stats are in terms of how many teams have had 12 consecutive bowl invites. I'm guessing that the number might be a little smaller than people expect. And so for BYU to be in that group shows remarkable consistency, and I think it, it speaks to the level of recruits that, that choose the BYU experience and the BYU lifestyle and the BYU honor code that allow them to be uh, a very competitive and very successful program over time. I think that's important. But the other thing is, boy, you look at, you look at being able to, to get bowl eligible now with, with uh, a couple games to go. They can win eight games here. And that, that to me is huge. I mean, it's just absolutely huge that they're bowl eligible this soon. A lot of us expected that they might be fighting for that bowl eligibility when Utah State comes to town in the final regular season game on November 26th. But no, they, they have it locked up now. And how, how weird is this, by the way, for BYU? They play Southern Utah. Next week they play UMass. UMass only has two wins so far this year. They're, they're not a real juggernaut. Both of those games at home, back-to-back games like that. After this juggernaut or this, this schedule, Arizona, Utah, UCLA, West Virginia, who's highly ranked, Toledo, Michigan State, who's still very physical, Mississippi State, who, who walked all over Texas A&M, and then Boise State. After that kind of a, a grind, how nice it is 
to be able to have a couple of teams in a row that BYU is clearly better than that they can get some of those young guys in. Trevor Maddox with us on BYU Sports Nation. You have experienced San Diego and bowl games as a BYU football player in December. What is it like to be in San Diego for the postseason as a BYU player? It is pretty much the ultimate because you are in paradise. The weather there is fantastic. You leave the snows of Provo, and you can lounge by the beach, and that by itself is a fantastic reward. And it's also kind of nice that I'm not sure exactly what date the Poinsettia Bowl is this year, but you know, you're home early. You're home for the holidays pretty much. Uh, what's the date of the bowl? December 21st. Great. Yep. So you're home for Christmas. You know, there's other bowls that will play around Christmas or after Christmas that other teams go to. And it's nice to go to those bowls, but at the same time, you know, it's nice, it's nice to get both in, both the bowl and the holidays. So really it's the best of all worlds from that standpoint. It's, it's a tremendous reward for a season hard fought for BYU. And the game itself should be compelling uh, in the next couple of weeks. We'll know who the, uh, who the team is that BYU plays. But BYU has UMass this week, Utah State, a team that's 3-7. and seven, uh, Kind of blew it at the end against New Mexico there. But uh, how, do you, how do you think BYU stays motivated after, as you mentioned, a really compelling uh, first eight uh, games? And then here in November, the, these are a little easier for the Cougars. Yeah, it, it is easier. Now, they could not afford to let their guard down for one minute in the first you know, two months of the season because if they let their guard down, then they had a chance to get blistered by very capable opponents. And it's exhausting mentally and emotionally and physically to keep that kind of urgency. And so I think that's a habit that they've built this year. And so I think their practice will be fine. You'll be able to see how they come out against UMass, how they practice. Because if they come out a little sloppy, you'll know that they really did let their guard down a little bit. If they come out and play with, with a good deal of precision and don't make a lot of mistakes, then you'll know that they've maintained that. But it, it's okay to take a little dip. Uh, even the best teams in the country talk about how the hard thing for the coaches is to keep the players with consistent focus and urgency in preparation during the week for the entire body of regular season games. That's hard to do. But BYU has been able to do it so far this year, and I think that that's a good thing. We th- we've talked about culture, and we've talked about how more important than the wins and losses this year are how the players compete and how they prepare and how they perform for each other. They've done all those things at an at a extremely high level. And I think as long as they can maintain that over these next two games, then I think that's, a, that's another culture that will continue going forward that will help them win in the future. ESPN's Trevor Maddich with us. BYU a 30-point favorite against UMass. And some BYU fans look at that as another opportunity for Tanner Mangum to get in and play. He was 11 for 13 on Saturday against Southern Utah. What did you see from Tanner Mangum in the snaps that he did take that impressed you on Saturday? Well, he was rusty. You know, there were, there were some nice throws. There were other throws. There were completions that looked good in the box score, but it wasn't necessarily out in front of the receiver where he could catch it in stride and turn up the field. But that's to be expected because practice is one thing, and, and scout squad kind of hurts you from that standpoint because you're not dealing with the, the receivers that you'll be dealing with in the game a lot of the times. But he had a couple of those scout squad guys out there he was throwing to as well in the second half. So, you know, it was hit and miss from that standpoint. To me, the fact that he did complete 11 of those 13 attempts is important because even though some of the completions weren't as pretty as others, 
the fact that the ball wasn't on the ground, the fact that they were complete, and the fact that they went to some of those guys farther down the depth chart tells you that, that, he, that he was able to work through the rest to get some really, really good work in. Now uh, the shakeup uh, Saturday was fantastic in college football. I loved it. Uh, two, three, and four lose on the same day for the first time since uh, 85. So who's in your top four? Well, my top four right now will start with Alabama. I don't think that shakes anybody up. Number two, I'd say Ohio State. They have obliterated their last two opponents. I mean, obliterated them. They're playing well late in the season, and the committee uh, respects that. Now it's a little bit more difficult. The AP has Louisville at number four and Clemson at number five. Both of those teams are nine and one. But I don't like what the AP did there because Louisville lost to Clemson head-to-head. They're in the same conference, same record, but Clemson has the head-to-head win, and the AP put Louisville ahead of Clemson. And I tell you, I don't like it when they dismiss head-to-head results. It's like, yeah, well, you won the game, but we think the other team's better than you, so we'll rank them higher. Should timing play a factor? What's that? Should timing play a factor? Because that's what it looks like they're, the criteria that's being used. Uh, t- timing... Uh, timing plays a huge factor, but when this is, this is the AP poll, we'll find out what the committee thinks tomorrow. But guys, I mean, it, to, to finish answering your question, I would put just for for lack of of anything else, uh, right now I'd put probably Clemson at number three and Louisville at number four. Okay, uh, but uh, but that that's that's shiftable. Um, but from a standpoint of timing, I would suggest this for fans of Louisville and fans of Ohio State. Both of those teams are likely to be in the top four when the committee comes out with their rankings tomorrow. And if they are, then Ohio State fans and Louisville fans will think, hey, if we just went out now, we're in. But you're not. Because there's an extra factor that gets added to the ranking when the committee does their final ranking, and that is conference championship. Remember the, the two years ago in the first playoff ranking, um, or the first year of the playoffs, the second-to-last ranking had TCU at number three. That next week, the final regular season game, they obliterated Iowa State, just blew them out, and they dropped from three to six. And the reason was Ohio State won a conference championship, and they jumped ahead of them. Baylor was given credit for uh, their tiebreaker conference championship over TCU in the Big 12. They jumped ahead of them. And so... TCU fans thought, hey, in the poll system, when you win, you're not supposed to drop. Well, in the playoff system, when you win, uh, you may drop. You may drop a lot because of that conference championship added in at the very end. Well, Ohio State no longer controls their own destiny in the Big Ten. If, if they win out and beat Michigan, and if Penn State wins out, then Penn State will be the Big Ten East champion and play for the Big Ten championship. Ohio State won't even play for their own championship. How about that? They won't have, they, that's right, and so they might get trumped by other schools right behind them right now who will add the points for getting a conference championship in that final ranking, and it's the same way with Louisville. Louisville may be in the top four in the second-to-last ranking and yet drop out and, because conference championships will add points to other teams, and so it's very possible for those two fan bases to get the same kind of whiplash that TCU fan base got in that initial year of, of college football playoff rankings. Sports and college football are the only reality television you'll ever need. Trevor, fantastic stuff. Thanks for the time. We are the Kardashians of athletics. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Trevor. Thanks, guys. Trevor Maddich joining us on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, your values, your timeline, your financial future.
Football season's uh, at the end here in the next two weeks. Just finish strong, go eight and four, go into that bowl game. And and Trevor's right. The history with San Diego is awesome. I mean, I mean that's going to be a fun bowl game to be in, and it's going to be a good team. Wyoming lost, by the way, over the weekend, like triple or quadruple overtime. Sixty-nine to sixty-six. <laughs> what are the video game numbers? So now Boise State could be in the mix. I'm not saying against BYU, but for a group of five or something. I think that by Wyoming losing, that enables San Diego State. Uh, to be a more likely candidate for the Cougars. Tickets to the Poinsettia Bowl available at BYUtickets.com right now. Back to basketball next. Who will be BYU's leading scorer tonight against Princeton? It could be like seven different guys. That's what makes it fantastic. Tim Lacombe, the associate head coach, joins us next. Welcome back, sports friends. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan in Radio Vision Live on BYU Radio, simulcast on BYU TV, our 2016-2017 basketball preview show. After further reviews, uh, on tomorrow, 7 Eastern time, uh, Dave Blaine, David, and Brian uh, will recap the Southern Utah game, get you ready for UMass. And this uh, just announced by BYU Football, the Utah State game uh, against BYU in Provo on November 26th will kick off at... 8.15 Mountain Time. So another light one on ESPN2 or ESPNU. The network will be determined after the games this Saturday. So there is a basketball game that day against Utah Valley. So we'll see how that time is affected by that as well. Dress warm. You're going to watch BYU football on Thanksgiving weekend. It's going to be a late night. Yeah, you're going to need to dress warm, that, especially, too. That I will do. I'll send in the email for the uh, heat warmers <laughs> for you right now. Please do that. Get on that right heaters. now. Hey, yes. hey, hey. Refreshing today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. BYU football beat Southern Utah on Saturday 37-7. The Cougars put up 596 total yards of offense. Taysom Hill had a season high 320 in passing. BYU's bowl eligible for the 12th straight year. That's significant. Uh, 11 is tied for 10th most, so well done by the Cougars. Uh, they'll play in the Poinsettia Bowl against Mountain West team on December 21st in San Diego. Tickets for the game can be purchased on BYUtickets.com. Please be ranked San Diego State. That would be a fantastic game. That would be game. awesome. Michelle Vasconcelos and Elena Medeiros each scored for the fourth-ranked BYU women's soccer team in a 2 to nothing round one win of the NCAA tournament against UNLV. The Cougars play 25th-ranked Oklahoma in South Carolina on Thursday at 4 Eastern. The winner advances to the Sweet 16. Yeah, down with Boomer Sumer Thursday. And men's hoops, it's game day! And this is our uh, preview show for the basketball season. The Cougars host the Princeton Tigers out of the Ivy League tonight, 10 Eastern time on ESPN2. And BYU Radio. Joining us now in Studio B, our good friend and associate head basketball coach Tim Lacombe of BYU Hoops. We're here, man. We we made it we to made an it, actual game it. day. We made it. What were your emotions like when you woke up this morning? Uh, really excited. Um, you know, having a Monday game after Sunday and having Sunday off, obviously, and a lot of time to think and contemplate, and then for it to be here, we're we're excited. This is a it's a fun group of guys to be around, a great guy, group of guys to coach, and uh, we're excited to get this thing rolling against a really good team tonight. You've seen the Cougar tip-off. You've seen West, against Westminster and BYU-Hawaii. What did you learn after the exhibitions that maybe you didn't know before then? Um, you know, it, what it was good, it was just good to get a bunch of guys who hadn't had time to play um, some time and get them out there. I think we have a pretty good feel for the strengths and, and maybe even weaknesses of our team. Um, but it was just good to get the lights on, have guys perform under the lights, and for the most part, we played pretty well. We played with really good energy, which was kind of our main emphasis. Um, it was good to get a couple guys like Elijah and LJ, who hadn't done a whole lot you know, prior to that, 
into those games and get them kind of acclimated into the lineup as well. Dave Rose alluded to the fact that this team's going to make fans go, whoa, a la the Yoli Childs put-back dunk. But then there will be some moments where you kind of scratch your head like, okay, what, what were you doing It'll there? will be like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Different whoa. emotions right Keanu there. Reeves both ways, right? Whoa. 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 Yeah. Um, you brought up the fact that you, you have a good idea of strengths and weaknesses. So let's, let's talk about those. What are the strengths and weaknesses of this team? Um, Start with strengths. I think that um, this team is uh, is really really put together well. I think that we have really good depth um, in all the positions. I would say that probably the team's number one trait right now is they're pretty unselfish. Um, this has been something that you know we've always tried to get our teams to be, but this team is just a little bit a step ahead of that. I was talking with you guys off the air about um, feel like these guys really could care less who does what most nights. I think it's a matter of us getting the win. Uh, our practices have been every day have been really steady, have been good as far as effort and, and focus. So I think that all those things are, are really a strength and a positive. I think we can really score the ball, uh, in a, and I think it comes from a lot of different ways. I think we can throw it, you know, inside. I think we can score from the outside. We're certainly pretty good in transition, and I think our half court offense has become a little bit better um, because of our willingness to share it and be unselfish. Um, defensively right now, I think we have a, I think we're ahead of where we've been because we have a few guys who have played this system, um, you know, in the, at the high school level. And then we have a couple guys who are, we're counting on to uh, really help us that have had an opportunity to be in this, in the, in the defensive system for over a year. You know, speaking of, um, Kyle Davis and Elijah, some guys that have, have holdovers from last year. So, um, continue to get better. On, on the defensive end. And then one of the real keys will be how we make up for, you know, Kyle Collinsworth was an unbelievable rebounder and he cleaned up so many things for us. Um, and so that's going to be something we're going to have to do by committee this year. So as we get stops in our, you know, a, de- a stop is a stop when you get a rebound. So hopefully we can play better defense together and then we can get that ball and get out in transition. That'll really make us a better team. Yeah, when you sit back and you think, wait, we have to replace the West Coast Conference Player of the Year all-time leading rebounder and assist guy, that's not necessarily easy, but there's, like you said, there's lots of guys on this team that have uh, a lot of talent. Our Twitter question today, who will be BYU's leading scorer tonight versus Princeton? It could be almost anybody on this team, which is pretty wild. It is. Um, I'm really hoping that I get a chance. Uh, (laughs) I've never led a team in scoring at any level, so it would be really awesome. Um, no, it's not I, gonna be Terry. Is he out of the boot? No, Terry. He'd be disqualified because of the little wheelie thing he has to use. <laughs> um, no, it could be anybody, and, and I think that that's the beauty of our team. I think when you scout a team, you you look to try to take away A, B, C, one, two, three. Uh, there's certainly guys that, that people are aware of and want to take away, but we have a pretty deep lineup, and more importantly, we have a, a team that's willing if they're covered up, to make the extra pass and get somebody an open shot. And I think that's one thing you've seen in the, th- in the three things that we've done, the Cougar tip-off and the, the two exhibition games that our guys have been willing to do that. So that's exciting. I, I'd be interested to see how that, that Twitter poll comes out. I, my guess is it'll probably be split pretty, pretty evenly. Yeah. Now, looking, looking at the Princeton Tigers, like they, everybody you talk to, whether it be a player or a coach, it's like, man, they're really good. What concerns you most about what they bring to the Marriott Center tonight? Well, their their experience. Um, I think all five of their guys that are, that you know projected starters have started fifty plus games, um, and so just the experience having done this before. 
um, against a team who's got a bunch of guys who are talented but haven't done this before. Um, that's one thing. And but they're really, really well coached. Um, they they understand what they're out there, their objective, and they work as a team to get it done. Um, had a couple national guys call Coach Rose this week and like. What are you doing scheduling Princeton? You know your first game, but um, we <laughs> and, and we believe like, you scheduled yeah, that. Coach looked at me. You know, we believe that it, it'll be as good a, a non-conference game as we'll have. Um, they're projected to be in the 30s in RPI, um, so it's it's a great way to start out. Um, I think that you know there's lots of different philosophies, but for us, we've gotten the exhibition games out of the way. Uh, we expect a really seasoned, tough, veteran, well-coached team to come in here tonight. And, um, you know, we've got to be certainly playing at our best to, to be able to beat them. They sound like St. Mary's um, in, in terms of kind of those attributes that you, you bring up. And I want to ask you about the health of the team. Not, not just L.J. Rose and Elijah Bryant, but it seems like the guys uh, post-mission, uh, Mika and uh, Haas in particular, they look physically really good, and they've had about six months. How, how do they look? They, they look great. The guys really bought in this summer to, to the strength and conditioning program um, with Coach Shork. And, you know, I think at the very beginning they were all kind of wondering what they'd gotten into. But they all swear by it now. Um, but it pushed them and it tested them. Uh, and it created a, a, a real uh, environment for them to, to get better uh, physically. Uh, and I do believe our guys are in, in good shape. I feel like conditioning-wise I think we can, we can run up and down, you know, our – our uh, first opponent, uh, exhibition opponent, uh, Coach Grant Leap, told me he feels like we could run up and down forever. You know, he's like, man, you guys <laughs> can go all day. And that's kind of what we want to be able to do. We want to be able to run up and down all day. Uh, but I do believe that they've hit the weight room, and I think their bodies are in good shape. Uh, knock on wood, you know, hopefully everybody can, can remain healthy because that's a real key ingredient to a great season. But feel like all the guys have done a really good job of preparing themselves physically for the season. It's time for us to do our part, Coach, and grant you the BYU Sports Nation karma. I love it. Michelle Vasconcelos scored the game-winning goal for BYU women's soccer on Friday, and she came on the show that day. So you're here so, on a game So there's day. a chance so I'm going to be the leading scorer. So you scorer. might be so the leading scorer. If, you, okay. if you're the leading scorer, we're probably in trouble. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we would be in, we'd be in really big trouble. <laughs> Coach, thanks for the insight, and we can't wait for tonight. Yeah, hey, I'm looking forward to it, too. Let me throw, say a, a shout-out to my parents in Cambodia. Oh, they're they in watch Cambodia. this in Cambodia. They watch you guys every day. They're crazy. So anyway, they're out, out there on a mission in Cambodia, so I want to say hello to them. Very Shout nice. out to the Lacombe family. What is up? Who will be BYU's leading scorer tonight against Princeton? Send in your responses. Hashtag BYUSN. Not Tim Lacombe. Up next, Statman Paul Sabin from BYU ESPN Basketball Analytics. Stay with us. BYU Sports Nation presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan live from Studio B on a game day. (laughs) Yeah. Remember, if you miss an episode of BYU Sports Nation Live, Buffy, catch the rebroadcast weeknights on BYU TV at 6 p.m. Eastern. Yes, Spencer. Tonight, the Princeton Tigers out of the Ivy League take (laughs) on the Brigham Young Institute of Higher Learning Cougars. 10 Eastern time on ESPN2 and BYU Radio. Isn't BYU Harvard of the West? Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, Spencer. <laughs> Joining us now, we're so dumb. The Harvard of the West. Yeah, that would be Stanford, nobody. right? Yeah. <laughs> You're a great academic institution. Absolutely right. it is. Yes. Absolutely. Analytics specialist from ESPN Stats, Paul Sabin, joins us on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Paul, welcome to BYU Sports Nation. 
Thanks for having me. How much college basketball are you going to watch in the next 24 hours? Uh, well, if I wanted to, I could stay up all night, right? Um, yeah, baby. But probably, <laughs> probably a good portion, probably, probably uh, eight or nine hours. What factors go into the basketball power index for those that are not aware of everything that's in the BPI? Uh, yeah, good question. Um, at this point in the year, it's a lot of recruiting who you're returning, how much of your team you're returning, and how good it was. And then as games start to get played, things like how well you did, how much you won by, where you played, was it at home, was it on the road, how far you had to travel, how many days rest you had. And even teams like BYU, when when uh, these California schools have to leave the uh, confines of, you know, zero degree or zero feet altitude and go up to Provo and face, you know, the altitude difference, even that plays a, a part in how well or how hard it is for a team to play um, teams like BYU or Colorado in these high altitudes. So there's lots of different things that go into it. But well, mostly now it's the recruiting and things like that. Yeah, and there was a preseason basketball power index from ESPN. Remind us where BYU is and then where Princeton is. Yeah, so Princeton's actually ahead of BYU right now. BYU's at 61, and uh, Princeton, I think, was um, forty in the 40s. So um, you know, it's definitely not an easy game that they're going to have tonight, but they do have the home field, home court advantage. What do you think of the West Coast Conference and the chances that the WCC gets three teams into the NCAA tournament because of the power of St. Mary's and Gonzaga early on, and then BYU, who is uh, hopefully going to emerge as uh, a team that's worthy of making their trip to March Madness? Well, I the chances are whatever the chances BYU has to get into the tournament. I think it's very likely that St. Mary's and Gonzaga will be there either at large or whether they get the auto bid from the conference. And so it's just really up to BYU if they have a good year. And and I think you had Ken Palm on a few weeks ago. who said, you know, 24 or 25 wins is what they need uh, going into the conference tournament. So if they can get that, um, you know, right now we're having them projected at 21 wins, but if they can get those three extra wins that we're not expecting, then then they have a good chance. But that's the key is getting those couple few more wins than, than we're currently expecting them to. 21 wins. Uh, maybe I have to take off the blue goggles uh, to see the 21 there, but <laughs> what goes into maybe 21 for BYU and not higher? Well, it's, it's the fact that, Gonzaga and St. Mary's are a really good team, both really good teams this year. And so they have to play both of them, you know, at home and on the road. And they have a few hard non-conference games, like Princeton tonight. They play Illinois um, in a couple weeks, and they have to play USC. So those are all hard hard, hard games. Um, but, you know, they also have the conference tournament to, to add up, make up for a little bit of this. But And, you know, we project 21, but... There's a lot of unknowns about this BYU team. How are these newcomers going to do, like LJ Rose, or how is Haas going to come in, you know, off his mission and play? So there's a lot of unknowns, and it's not out of the, not unreasonable to think they can't get 24, 25 wins. But for right now, it's kind of a wait and see how they play approach. According to the Basketball Power Index, who is the best college basketball team in the country right now? It is by hands down Duke and followed right behind them by Villanova. Duke 
returns just about everyone they had from last year, plus four great recruits. Um, and then Villanova, they returned most of their team from their championship last year. So those are the two teams that I would say everyone has to chase. You also have, you know, the Kentuckys of the world, which are right up with there with them. But Duke is, is a power this year, and they're really good. Paul, we appreciate the time. BYU and Princeton tonight. I'm sure you'll be watching that as part of your planned eight to nine hours of college basketball. <laughs> yeah, don't tell my wife I said that. <laughs> Hopefully she's not watching. Your secret is safe here. Thanks, Paul. All right, thanks. Paul Sabin, ESPN Basketball Analytics, part of the Basketball Power Index Committee, joining us on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, your values, your timeline, your financial future. Okay, Jerem, a fresh start for you, my friend. And a fresh start for me as well with basketball and our going for two picks on the hoop side. Can you predict the future? Maybe. These guys think they can. We're going for two on BYU Sports Nation. Numero uno for me in today's BYU basketball season opener. I think BYU will out-rebound the veteran-laden Princeton squad by five or more. And that will be beneficial for the Cougars because you don't want to give that team more opportunities to shoot the ball. BYU traditionally, when they out-rebound teams, they win. They win. BYU will out-rebound Princeton by five or more. Number two for me. No team will lead by double figures tonight. Ah. I think this is going to be a fantastic, maybe lower scoring game than uh, some anticipate because Princeton really likes to control the ball. They, they averaged 79 a game last year. The third highest in Princeton history. Really? This isn't your old school Princeton. Yeah. <sighs> but against BYU, don't you want to slow the pace down because that plays right into BYU's hands on their home floor. Those guys, those guys can fill it up too, man. Regardless, this isn't, I don't, the, this isn't 1960. I don't think there's going to be a double-figure <laughs> lead by either team tonight. Okay, my first pick, BYU's four-point fade. BYU wins by five-plus. Okay, I think the Cougars win tonight. This is going to be a tough oh, they, game. They win by five-plus. BYU plus. wins by five-plus. Okay. Yeah, four-point wow. fave. Wow. BYU's four-point fave. Okay, and BYU will make eight or more threes. I think BYU will make a, a bunch of threes tonight. I think it'll be awesome. Is eight a lot? We don't know what to expect from this team. <laughs> last, year, last year's team had Celius and Fisher, uh, as well as Emery, and that was the greatest three-point shooting team by volume in BYU history. Now, this team has Haas and Emery and Leifson. Okay, they can who, all, who knows how much Colby's going to They can all tonight. fill it up. Eight three-pointers. Is that the equivalent of me picking BYU to lead by 21 or more at halftime against Southern Utah? Eight threes. We haven't even seen this team play I think yet. it's soft. Okay. <laughs> nice try. <laughs> the Cougar Whip Around hits next. It's loaded. BYU Sports Nation presented in part by DexterLaw.com. Help when you need it most. 21 wins. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Football. Cougars defeated Southern Utah 37-7 Saturday. BYU put up 596 yards of total offense, 441 through the air. Taysom Hill threw for 320 yards, two touchdowns. KJ, don't call me Kalen Hall, led the Cougars in rushing with 59 yards. With the win over SUU, BYU has become bowl eligible for a 12th consecutive season. Representatives from the San Diego Bowl Game Association gave the official invitation to Athletic Director Tom Homo to play a West, a Mountain West opponent in the Poinsettia Bowl on December 21st. Kalani Satake said, It's good to be bowl eligible and get it done early. Tickets for the game can be purchased right now. Check it out, byutickets.com. 
And the details for the Utah State game have been announced as well. Saturday, November 26th, Cougars and Aggies in Provo, live on either ESPN2 or ESPNU, depending on what happens uh, this Saturday. That will uh, be live at 10.15 Eastern time. So another late one for the Cougars. Men's basketball. BYU tips off the season against the Princeton Tigers tonight. (laughs) Dave Rose starts his 12th season as head coach. BYU making its third appearance in the ESPN tip-off marathon. Jerem thinks the Cougars are going to make eight threes. If my prediction of BYU football winning or leading by 21-plus at halftime is soft, then that is soft. Sorry, is BYU playing uh, CSU Bakersfield? No, they're playing uh, top 40 BPI team. <laughs> they shoot a bunch of threes. Listen it's not to, even close! Listen it to... And oh. this isn't the time! This is the whip! No, it's always the time because of that reaction. Soccer. 10 Eastern. <laughs> Michelle Vasconcelos and Elena Medeiros each scored for the fourth round. You're trying really hard, like Bronco said. The women's soccer team Friday in a 2-0 win in round one of the NCAA tournament against UNLV. The Cougars play 25th-ranked Oklahoma and South Carolina Thursday for Eastern. Volleyball. Whitney Young Howard set a career high in kills on Saturday afternoon as the 12th ranked Cougars, they're ranked 12th, defeated the University of Portland in three sets. They're pacing for another WCC title. Women's basketball. They opened the season with a win against Utah Valley. Mackenzie Pulsifer led the Cougars with 21 points. 68 50 win for the Cougs over uh, the Wolverines Friday night. Jimmer. Fredette recorded 37 points. Only 37. Yeah, less than 40. That's a discipline. Nine assists and eight <laughs> rebounds. He was one assist and two rebounds away from a triple-double in yesterday's win for the Shanghai Sharks. They're undefeated. Cougars in the association. Is the Provo City League harder than China? I have to ask that question. Kyle Collinsworth put up four points, four rebounds, and 11 assists with the Texas Legends of the NBA D-League. Cross-country. The third-ranked men's team took third at the NCAA Mountain Region Championships in Logan, Utah. Five runners placed in the top 25, while the number 18 women's team took fifth last Friday. Both teams have received at-large bids to compete in the NCAA National Championships. Cougars overseas. Tyler Haas had three points, a rebound, and an assist in a 78-69 win for his team Anvil Wojtlavik in Poland. Cougars in the NFL. Daniel Sorensen had a tackle as the Kansas City Chiefs beat the Carolina Panthers yesterday 20-17. to Cougars in the PGA. This is the longest whip of all time, by the way. Zach Blair went 8-under in the OHL Classic. Ah. He's currently tied for 42nd at Mayakoba. He made $25,000. Not a bad week in Mexico. Yeah. Future guests include Blaine Fowler, dual threat analyst. Between the lines is coming up. Mark Whipple, the head coach of UMass football and Cleveland, Steve Cleveland. President Coach Cleveland. There you go. Today's Rise and Shout brought to you by Dexter and Dexter Help when you need it most. DexterLaw.com. Jerem? Cross country. Both made it to the NCAA championships as at-large teams. So the men, they have a shot at the national title. Women, nice job sneaking in there at the end. Twitter question today. Who will be BYU's leading scorer tonight against Princeton? At Melocopter says Nick. Always a safe choice. Our elite tweet of the day from at Kugbaka. We don't know. It could be anyone. That is the beauty of this year's team. Hashtag blindsided. Thanks to Trevor Maddich, Tim Lacombe, Paul Saban, and everyone on our crew. Show on demand, BYUSN.com. Download the podcast on iTunes. For Jeremy and Spencer, shout out to Aaron Acker. We are back tomorrow. Hoops. All night! <laughs>